Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. If you missed it, we released our Ohio State recap. We talked some college football on Tuesday, and now we are here on Thursday, and we are talking basketball, folks. It is college basketball season. It's right around the corner. The Badgers tip off next week against St. Mary's. Is that on Tuesday night? Do you know, Matt? Uh, yes. Okay. I, th- I thought it was Tuesday, November 5th, I believe, and that's when... Uh, you know, the entire college basketball world kicks off. They got that Champions Classic uh, between the, the big four teams uh, that night as well. But the Badgers tip off against St. Mary's, so a good early season test. And this episode, we are going to dive uh, fully into the Badgers basketball team as they get going. And then, of course, we're going to dive into some national stuff. So, you guys, if you're interested in college basketball, uh, you know, outside of both the Badgers and, and just the national world, this is... Uh, the podcast to be at because we're going to get to it all on this episode because the season is here. Uh, Matt, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, the, you know, the Badger basketball team is actually going to be tipping off Friday, uh, the first against UW lacrosse in an exhibition, and I'll be at that one. So uh, it's it's coming at us quick here. Yeah, it kind of snuck up on me, to be honest. I was, you know, I was looking at the schedule. I was like, man, the hoops has got to tip off soon. And I was starting to look at stuff for, uh, you know, from the gambling perspective. And, and I was, you know, going through stuff. And then I was like, oh, man, that's that's a couple weeks away. So I uh, started getting some numbers down and looking at some teams because obviously everyone's focused on college football. And then college basketball comes out of nowhere. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this college basketball season. I would assume uh, you're the same. Yes, sir. You know, I... uh. I, I keep kind of football and basketball almost at an equal playing field, maybe a little bit of a preference towards football, but you know, the basketball team is always exciting and it'll be interesting to see kind of how the team moves on after uh, Ethan Happ moving on. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how this team responds and I'm kind of the same. I've always been more football, um, but these last few years I've really gotten back into college basketball and I think it's, you know, early in the season, I used to not pay you know, a ton of attention outside of the Badgers. Um, but you know, now I've started to get uh, more invested in some of these teams. And, and I think it's a really fun sport to watch uh, and get into. And obviously the season is long, but it, it's pretty entertaining. And as of course, you know, there's a lot of those NBA pundits who would say it's not and they're more interested in the NBA. But yeah, I've got a, a keen interest in all of it. I think it's a really fun sport and obviously a fun season and November outside of March, November, when you get into these early season non-conference games and, and the tournaments that are on all day long is, is a lot of fun. If you're, if you're a college basketball fan, but for the beginning, we're going to focus on just the Badgers. Um, and obviously when you look at any college basketball preview, uh, you know, from the Athlons or the ESPNs or CBSs, 
Not a lot of talk from the Badgers, and obviously I, I don't think people are surprised by that. But what are your kind of overall expectations from this Badger basketball team coming into the season? You know, I think I think the offense will be a little more wide open. You know, Ethan Happ, for as talented of a player what he was, he oftentimes dominated the ball in t- inside, wasn't able to kind of stretch the the field or uh, the field the court. Um, you know, with uh, a lack of a mid-range jumper or, uh, you know, behind the arc, the Badgers this year will instead have a bunch a bunch of guys who can hit the three. Uh, you know, their projected entire starting lineup will be able to hit the three uh, as well as most of the key reserves. So I think that'll open up the offense. It'll be more similar to what the swing has looked like in the past uh, with guys kind of popping inside and out. And I think the defense will be very similar. Um, I think Micah Potter, when he's eligible, damn you, as NCAA, um, when he is eligible, is going to be a real force uh, and rim protector to pair with Reavers, who has shown the ability to block shots uh, fairly as well. So I think they'll be good. I think they'll be kind of middle in the pack. They'll be fighting for an NCAA berth, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Obviously, Ethan Happ was a tremendous player these last four years and logged more than 4,000 minutes for the Badgers, uh, w- which obviously you tip your cap to and you love him, and he's a Badger legend. He'll be in the rafters someday. Uh, but at the same time, I think it opens the floor a little bit more to give some more guys some opportunities to step up. I think they'll play. Not that not that Ethan Happ wasn't a good teammate or anything, because obviously he was great distributing the basketball as well. But I think it just gives some more guys some some more opportunity uh, you know, to shoot the ball and more guys contributing. You're going to have more of a team effort versus you know putting all your eggs in one basket at times. I think sometimes over these last couple of years, especially you know two years ago, I think I think the offense really ran through Hap uh, simply because it had to, and and it took away some concepts and took away some guys's. Uh, ability to, you know, in confidence to go ahead and take a shot versus you're working the ball through Ethan. So it's kind of a give and take where I think obviously he's a tremendous talent and it was great for the Badgers, but I'm excited to see what this team can do uh, without him and where they'll be without him. And obviously, of course, it's an interesting uh, aspect for Greg Gard, who's never had to coach without Ethan Happ and see how he adjusts and and takes advantage of of getting some new guys on the floor and, and seeing what he can do uh, with the offense, because yeah, I know people have doubted his uh, abilities as a recruiter, which he's kind of put wrong. But I've always thought he was a strong, you know, X's and O's guy, which is why he inherited this job from from Bo Ryan that way, because they had confidence in him. So I'm interested to see how this team will change and, and how Greg Gard will adapt with a team that doesn't have that dominating force like Ethan Happ on it. Um, kind of going off of that, you know, we, we talked about the starting five for this group. Uh, who are you expecting to be the five uh, when when they tip off against St. Mary's? So obviously the Badgers have been really pushing hard to get uh, Potter immediately eligible. You know they've put in an appeal. Greg Gard's Greg Gard is pulling out all the stops trying to make that happen. I'll I'll say if he is eligible, he'll be a starter. Like he is, I think he is one of the most talented players on the team. He's a really good glue guy, leader, can really uh, do things on both ends, and is a tremendous le- uh, rebounder and three point shooter. Um, in addition to what he can do down low, but I I doubt that the NCAA is going to go back on that uh, by the time that the Badgers are playing. So I'll stick with Trice, Davison, King, Ford, and Reavers for now. Um, I think. King and Ford are both guys who have had great off seasons. You know, anybody you ask within the program talked about how uh, much better that they look. 
I think the Badgers, that starting five will um, possibly change here or there, um, especially once Potter's eligible. Um, but I do expect that the team will use a lot more guys and increase the rotation um, from what we saw last year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've got the same, you know, Trice, Davidson, King, Ford, Reavers down. Uh, and then I have, of course, I have the same thing, you know, noted if, if Potter can play. Um, you know, I think he would be in there and maybe that bumps. What would you say? Would that bump Reavers to kind of the four and maybe Ford out of the starting five if Potter was ready to go? Yeah, I think that's what you would they would do, especially with the way um, Greg Gard loves Kobe King and his the way he can play on the defensive end as well as what he can bring on the offensive end. I think Ford is a great stretch for to come in and, and you know, hit shots, but he's he's not. Uh, spectacular on the defensive end, whereas having Reavers and Potter there are both kind of better rebounders, better on defense, uh, and you know able to kind of bolster that interior a little bit better. So you can run three guards who can all uh, make plays on the edge. Yeah, that's what that's what I was kind of thinking too. I mean, you're going to need some serious rebounding reinforcements with those two, uh, given you're not obviously like like you said, we don't have Ethan Happ anymore, so you're going to need rebounding. Uh, from those guys to take a big jump. And I, I think both of them have the ability to, and then, you know, obviously forward off the bench to, to get him just more so in spurts and you can kind of control his minutes, you know, from a, from a you know, perspective of putting him in when you, when you maybe need some offense and taking him out when you, maybe you've got a lead and you need to play some lockdown defense and put a game away. I think that's a, a really good six man role coming off the bench, you know, with him guys like, with him, and then of course you've got Pretzel, you know, Pretzel coming off the bench, uh, you know, to help that out. But obviously the Potter situation is going to be probably the the biggest difference in in how that really changes. And of course, if they don't rule that uh, he's eligible to play, they won't have him for at first. I believe ten games is, is how long he'll be out uh, with that first semester uh, getting over at, at that point. But what do you make of that the Potter situation? I mean, obviously it's got to be frustrating for him, and obviously we saw his dad. Uh, on Twitter going after the NCA. What do you make of that situation as a whole? I, I just think it's preposterous. Like it doesn't even make sense at this point. You got a guy who's taking care of his stuff in the classroom. He he did the right stuff things by pulling away from Ohio State, finishing school there, you know, to make sure that he was still keeping up with his classes and then transferring, sitting out uh, two full semesters, now going on to his third semester. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially the way that they're kind of handing out these waivers to a lot of players who, you know, were playing last season, guys who are still underclassmen and are transferring maybe to be closer to home or whatever excuse that they're making up oftentimes, uh, you know, when it's oftentimes just because of basketball situations. So I, I just think it's really sad for what's happening to him. And I, you know, he doesn't deserve that. And if, if other people are getting the opportunity to play right away, he should too. I'm a big proponent of guys having a one-time, uh, you know, transfer where they can transfer one time in their career without penalty. And then from there, once you graduate, you can go again if you need to. Um, but I, I, I just don't think that that's fair. It treats him differently than any other student athlete who would, or any other student who would just be like, okay, I want to switch to Eau Claire or whatever and be able to go do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously you can, you can make jokes. The NCAA is, you know, frankly, a joke in a lot of ways. And we've seen it both in, in college football when you get these guys that are transferring 
you know, for medical reasons, like that kid from Virginia Tech who wanted to get closer to home and, and they didn't rule him eligible, but they ruled, you know, Tate Martell and Justin Fields eligible right away. And you're seeing the same thing with college basketball in a way. And I think it's just a it's a sad situation when you you look at a guy like Michael Potter, who's done everything he's supposed to do. You know, he's he's excelled in the classroom. You know, they they, they reference the getting comfortable at their new school for the re- part of the reason why they have to sit out all this time. But he's clearly comfortable in Madison because he's taken care of his grades. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He's not lacking in the classroom. And then at the same, you know, and obviously Greg garden, they've got letter of recommendations, but even Chris Holtman from Ohio state is, is writing letters of recommendation, uh, you know, to have this kid be able to play and, and the NCAA is still going against it, which I mean, I think to me is, is just a flat out joke. And, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of the NCAA, so maybe I'm biased, but it just seems to me to be completely silly and, and ridiculous with the way that, you know, you guys are getting transfers left and right and they don't have a problem with it. And, you know, I, I just don't see how this isn't an open shut case uh, for a guy like him. And, you know, obviously it hurts the Badgers on the court, but it's unfortunate, you know, of course, for you know, a kid as a student athlete who's who did, he's taken all the steps to to get there and, and taking care of his business to be able to play and then have to sit out for just silly reasons is just is really frustrating. But obviously, if they don't rule him eligible, we'll, we'll see him down the stretch. But it certainly sucks to not have him for those uh, first 10 or so games because there are some big games on that schedule. Uh, but going off of that and some other players, uh, obviously, the Badgers are going to need some jumps from guys like Potter and, and guys like uh, Kobe King and things like that. But what player do you expect to kind of make the biggest jump uh, from last season to this season? I'm going to go with Nate Reavers. You know, he is a guy who's kind of had a steady progression. You know, he played, played sparingly as a freshman, kind of burned that red shirt in order to get some minutes, especially once uh, they had some injuries and he was kind of called upon. But then last year he had a fairly good year, scoring about eight points a game about four rebounds. And then he was, he did phenomenally protecting the rim and block shots. You know, you saw kind of him improve behind the arc being or shooting behind the arc, as well as um, adding some added strength. I think this year he'll, he will have a little bit more space to maneuver. You know, at times he's able to take his man off the dribble um, on the bounce, but then oftentimes when they did that, he would run into Ethan Happ who's standing right under the basket. So I think he's a guy who's going to benefit from having a little extra space. Potter and him both will be guys, and Olim Ford are guys who spread the court and they'll be able to take their guys off the dribble as well as be able to, um, you know, snare down a bunch, a bunch more rebounds. Cause Ethan obviously was a double, double machine um, averaging over 10 rebounds a game. So I think he's a guy who's going to really come on and, you know, he's, he's probably one of the most talented players on the team and a guy who has some of the best uh, pro potential just be given yeah. his length and his ability to play inside out. Yeah, and I mean, you look at a guy like Nate Reavers and, and obviously the Wisconsin's history with, with big men, and, you know, down in the post and stretch guys, when you see what they have did with Frank Kaminsky over his the course of his career, and you saw what obviously they did with Ethan Happ over the course of his career, and as you've seen these different steps from Nate Reavers, you can kind of see where all of a sudden, okay, he played a little bit as a freshman, and you saw some things, and then of course last year he played, uh, you know, solid minutes, and, and we saw some things, especially later in the season. Uh, so it seems like he's going to really make that big jump uh, this season. But I had, you know, to, to say a different name, I had Kobe King down. Uh, I think he's going to really start to show 
uh, why everyone, uh, you know, when he came to Wisconsin was so excited. I think he's going to be that guy that that takes a jump, uh, both you know, taking the ball to the basket and uh, you know, his the mid mid range game for him is something that he's he's certainly gotten better with, and I think he's going to really take a a big jump for this team and and be the I don't know if he'll be the go to scoring option, but I think a, a guy like him where he can he can certainly go on those spurts where where he's gonna you know get his points and, and can get open and and knock down some shots for this team is, is going to be crucial uh, to take some pressure off some of those other guys and, and give the Badgers another scoring threat with a guy like Trice and, and Davison on the outside who can shoot if he can get some penetration and kick to those guys it'll be it'll be important for them. But going off of that, you know, obviously we've we've talked more so the roster. But now we're going to dive into a little bit more of the schedule. You know, there's there's some tough non-conference games as we get into that first. But uh, which non-conference game are you most excited for? And, and, and what do you think? I don't know if you've looked at it too closely, but what do you, maybe is the toughest stretch uh, for the Badgers this season? Uh, for non-conference game, I'll go with Marquette. You know, that's a rivalry. They got Marcus Howard. He's a, he's a tremendous player. Uh, it's supposed to be a whiteout coming to Madison. Uh, last year, obviously didn't go, didn't go the way the Badgers wanted. I think that'll be a game that, uh, it'll be a raucous atmosphere, a Sunday game on, on, uh, FS1. So I think that'll be a really fun one. Um, in terms of their touch toughest stretch, I think, uh, there's the, in, uh, the middle of January, uh, it, it gets really tough. They've got Maryland, who's the seventh ranked team right now preseason. Then they have at Michigan State, who's, you know, consensus number one team in the nation. But then they have Nebraska at Purdue at Iowa, and then they play Michigan State again. So it's it's kind of like February 1st, the middle of January through the beginning of February is going to be uh, a rough a rough go there just simply because you have Michigan State compounded back almost back to back there um, in you know, only two weeks buffer between them, uh, both on the road and at home, as well as when you put in Maryland there and Purdue. That's a that's a tough way to go um, with both Purdue and Michigan State on the road. Yeah, I would agree with you. Obviously, that Marquette game is is huge um, and, and probably the most important non-conference game. Uh, obviously, the tournament that the batters are in sets up a possible uh, meeting with Auburn, which would be a good test uh, if they can get there in that uh, tournament out in New York City. Uh, that could be a good one, but I really think you know one of the underrated ones is the first game against St. Mary's because you you look at a team like St. Mary's who plays in a relatively weak conference outside of Gonzaga, uh, for for them to go on the road and get a win at Wisconsin w- would be a huge resume booster for them. But at the same time, St. Mary's is is ranked to start the season. If the Badgers could get uh, a win at their home court against a top 25 team to start the season would would be huge uh, for their resume as obviously they they. Uh, get into the stretch of that non-conference game. If you can get a good one to start, it sets up your whole season and sets up your resume for March. Uh, if you, if you need to get there. So I think it's, I think it's cool to have, um, you know, these meaningful games right out of the gate. Obviously we we've seen teams like, you know, Wisconsin when they opened with Western Illinois and lost that one in the opener and, and games like that where, you know, obviously it's exciting to tip off when you're playing a team of, of lesser caliber, it kind of takes some, uh, the shine out of it. So to have a, you know, a top 20 team in your building to start the season is, is going to be fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. And then as, as you said, that, that stretch, I have that same one down. I mean, I just wrote down the at Purdue at Iowa and Michigan state, but the, those games before that are going to be really brutal. You know, when you see kind of where the Badgers shake out and where you think they're going to finish in the big 10, 
that stretch of, you know, ended with Michigan State at home and, and starting basically on the road at Michigan State is going to be a really tough one. Uh, so late, mid to late January into into February is going to probably be the make or break point for uh, for this team. And if they if they want to you know go dance and they're going to have to you know hold their weight and not uh, not uh, you have any you know bad losing streaks to where you can really hurt that. Uh, but but speaking of the Big Ten conference in and overall where they're at. Um, obviously there's a lot of talented teams in this league, uh, but there's only really Michigan state as looks like the one dominating team right now. Uh, but where do you have the Badgers uh, expected to finish when this whole big 10 conference shakes out? Um, one thing is the Badgers actually, that game against St. Mary's is a neutral sider in like South Dakota or something. Oh, like that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which it's super weird because like they're a team out of California to, to play them in South Dakota. makes no sense, but, um, I'll digress. Um, for the big 10, I have, uh, the Badgers kind of in that like fourth or fifth range. I, I could see them sneaking their in their way into the first round by of the big 10 tournament, but I think, you know, anywhere between four and six would make a lot of sense. Um, just given the, the big boys at the top with Michigan state and Maryland, both have tremendous talent. They're, um, consensus top 10 teams and they, they'll be tough. I, I think, Purdue lost a, a hell of a lot, and so it'll be interesting to see what they look like without Carson Edwards. They've got some good players, but it's also, you know, he was, if Ethan Happ was everything for Wisconsin, Carson Edwards was everything, everything for Purdue just because of everything he did for them. Um, so I think anywhere between kind of four and six would make a lot of sense, and they'd have a shot to then get themselves into the tournament potentially. Yeah, I would agree. I had fifth down right now. I mean, you look at, I th- but I think it could shake out a, a lot of different ways. I mean, I think Michigan State is clearly uh, you know, the top team in the conference, and they're probably one of the top two or three teams nationally, given what they've got and given their track record. Um, and then you've got a team like Maryland, who I think is is coming in, at least on paper. They're always pretty talented on paper. It's just a matter of getting those guys to gel together. Uh, after that, you've got like you know, both Ohio State and Michigan with question marks, but they've got talent in, in there. And then, of course, after that, you've got uh, Wisconsin and then Illinois could be in that mix. Indiana, Purdue could could all be in that mix. But I think it, it's kind of a middle heavy conference where any any certain team could could get make a run and and uh, contend for those, you know, the, the, the double buy that obviously is huge in in the tournament and. I think there's a lot of teams that could compete for that really two, maybe, you know, two to three to six or seven spot in this conference. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and, and how this, you know, league battles with being top heavy with Michigan state and then kind of log jam in the middle. But going off of that, obviously there's a lot of talented teams on paper and there's a lot of teams that could certainly make a run, but a lot of publications, at least from what I've read, you know, in this preseason, have the Badgers either as you know a fringe bubble team or or not making the tournament at all? Do you think that the you know this Wisconsin team right now? Do you think do you expect them to to make that field of 68 in March? I, I kind of have them in that same like bubble zone right now. I think what it'll come down to uh, in my eyes will be they they have to take on Ohio State and Purdue um, at with home and homes. I think if they're able to beat one of those teams both times and then split it the other with the other team, I think they'll go to the tournament. I think it's literally comes down to games like that, where it's, those are two teams that are supposed to be in the tournament, uh, both ranked currently. If you can beat one of those teams twice, 
and then snag snag one of the other ones. I think they're in a good position because I still like them to take care of business against a team like Penn State or Nebraska and Iowa, um, as well as Minnesota. So I th- I think they have a good shot, um, but it'll come down to those games where it's it's pretty evenly contested going into it. If not, the other team has a slight edge um, in being able to kind of steal a game or two. I mean, especially if you could steal one from taking on Maryland or one of the ones from Michigan state, that would be absolutely huge to really kind of cement yourself into the tournament. But those games over those teams uh, that are supposed to be in the rankings would be what they need to do if they want to get there. Yeah. I I, I'm kind of on the same boat. I think they'll make it just given their track record. And I think, uh, I think people aren't really paying a lot of attention to Wisconsin because they don't have that star power quite yet but I, I think they'll be in contention for a for a tournament bid and I think there's gonna be some teams like like a Purdue maybe that, that people you know rate higher and see uh and see some talent on their roster but I think they lost a lot to where they could maybe you know they're gonna have teams that improve and, and obviously exceed expectations against teams that that don't meet expectations and I think Wisconsin's gonna be one that hopefully at least exceeds uh the expectations as they get uh, down the course of the season uh, so we're going to get into some more college basketball talk. We're going to talk some Big Ten overall. And then, of course, we're going to talk some national stuff. Uh, but first, we're going to kick it to a quick ad read. All right. Let's dive back into college basketball. Obviously, this this episode is is fully dedicated to to college hoops. Uh, and now we're going to talk a little bit more of the, the Big Ten conference. And just overall, uh, what are your expectations just as a whole at this conference? Do you see... Uh, do you see it as a, a conference with with a lot of strength, or do you see it as the Big Ten maybe needing a big year uh, to make a statement in uh, in the college football or college football? It's just on my brain <laughs> in the college basketball world. Uh, yeah, I think I think the Big Ten is going to be one of the better conferences in in the country. I think the Big Ten, SEC, and ACC are kind of the class of the of the the nation. I, I could see anywhere between, you know, up to eight teams getting in from the big 10. I would guess probably seven now, but um, I think, I think it's going to be really good at the top, especially, I mean, Michigan state is, is one of the top teams in the country. They've got Cassius Winston. They've got Xavier Tillman. They've got some tremendous athletes. They, they were, you know, made a deep run last year. So I, they should be there. You know, Maryland's got a lot of hype right now. They've got some tremendous players, Anthony Cowan, really good. Um, uh, Anthony Cowan Jr., I should say, really good uh, lead guard. And then they've got some uh, good athletes paired with him and some good young talent. Ohio State in, just brought in like a tremendous recruiting class. So they're, when you bring them in with the, the Wesson brothers, they've got a lot of talent. So I think I think that the Big Ten will be pretty top heavy and people will just be um, slugging it out in the middle of the conference to get into eligibility for the tournament. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at any publication, they're kind of in going with seven or eight teams, which probably would lead, I would have to guess would lead all the conferences, maybe like uh, SEC would have, um, you know, at that or, or more teams coming to the season, they probably could get, you know, seven. Uh, well, that's kind of always the case. Big 10 and, and SEC usually lead in that. And then the ACC has some top heavy teams and, and, uh, but they don't usually have the depth that either conference uh, has that way. Uh, I would have to agree. I think the Big Ten w- could really benefit from a big year from from like a Michigan State. I know people don't want to hear uh, about Michigan State making a, a deep run, but it's been a while that the Big Ten has really uh, you know had a champion and, and taken over. So I think they could really benefit from a team making a run as to make it more of a national brand because we've saw kind of in recruiting this year 
they they didn't you know the Big Ten as a conference didn't land a ton of of big name guys and obviously Duke and Kentucky and now Memphis are landing a lot of the big guys but I think the Big Ten could certainly benefit from having a team that goes deep into the tournament to help them uh, you know prove again that they're they're a national brand and, and the conference is still you know one of the best best in the nation and I think we'll see that as as the depth and that plays out. How many? Uh, oh, go ahead. How many? How many teams do you think are going to make it from the Big Ten this year? Let's see. I think I've got. I think I've got seven right now. I think you're obviously going to have Michigan State. I think they'll be a one seed. And then you'll have, I, you know, if if you buy the hype, you maybe have Maryland up there as a, a top seed, maybe a two or a three. Um, and then I I think Ohio State is firmly in. But then after that, you've got. Uh, those fringe teams that who knows Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, any of those teams could certainly make the jump. Uh, so I'd have to say right now I'm going to go with seven. What about you? Yeah, I think seven's a good number. I, I like uh, I like Illinois to get there this year. Something that might be a little different. And then the sneaky team that I I don't think is getting enough look at is actually Penn State. I think Lamar Stevens is uber talented player one of the top players in the conference and you know as a senior now they've got some other guys around him that this is this is a kind of a must-win year for uh penn state so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of sneak their way into it similarly like uh northwestern was able to kind of you know push themselves into constant uh um consideration a few years ago yeah, I think I think you're probably right on that. Penn, Penn State could be a team I think that needs it. We in our roundtable uh, last, I think it was last week we put that out where I, I had Pat Chambers as a guy that um, would maybe be on the hot seat because he hasn't really they have just haven't done a lot in uh, in their conference opportunities. So I, I'd be interested to see uh, how the Nittany Lions bounce back from that way. So seven is probably is probably the a fair number. There there could be some other teams that make it, but obviously the field is only so big and you only get a certain number of teams in there. So uh, seven is probably probably right there. If you get eight, you must have had a really good season uh, for the conference as a whole. But you mentioned Lamar Stevens. Who are some other guys that uh, you know Badger fans should be looking out for in terms of individual players in this conference this year? Yeah, I mean Cassius Winston's Winston is obviously the top dog, but um, Illinois has a couple of different guys. AO is a super athletic guard. He's probably one of the top players in the, in the conference. Um, and then um, Anthony Cowan, I brought him up from Maryland, just a, another senior leader as a guard. A lot of times that's the type of thing that you need to really make a, make a deep run in a conference or in the NCAA tournament. And then, uh, Another guy, Caleb Wesson for Ohio State is another dude who's just super talented. You know, he's a bigger guy. And then Jalen Smith is probably the most athletic guy in the entire conference. Yeah, I had I had AO Dawson. I don't know why Illinois has to have all the hardest names. We had that their podcast the other day, and then they've got their big guy, you know, Georgie. I can't even remember his last name. Uh, so <laughs> they've got some talent on Illinois, and I remember seeing them early in the season last year in whatever tournament they were playing in in, in November. I thought, man, that Illinois team has has got some talent. If they can really get that thing going, they'll be an interesting team. Uh, to watch for uh, this upcoming season now. And obviously you, you talked on Cassius Winston. He's he's the best player in the conference and will probably be the player of the year for Michigan State. And then after that, you know, you, there, you've got guys you know, like, a, like a Jalen Smith, who, like you said, is probably the most athletic and, and really talented we saw last year really step up. After that, I mean, Michigan State's still got some some really good guys like Xavier Tillman, 
Uh, Joshua Langford still at Michigan State, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. I was gonna say he's he's a name that kind of has gotten forgot about, but is is still there. And then, of course, you've got uh, like guys for Iowa. Luke Garza is still in the conference, and you know he's he's a big man with some serious talent. And so there's there's some really good players uh, on this team. But I think overall, you know, I think Winston, you'd have to have him for your player of the year, right? I think you'd be crazy to pick anyone else, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, freshman-wise, I don't remember a lot. I know that Indiana, that Trace Trace Jackson Davis is it was the top recruit in the Big Ten. He'll be interesting to to watch. And then uh, I can't remember if there's any other big freshman names in the conference. Anybody you can think of? No, not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think there's there's too many that hopped out uh, to me in terms. Of, I was looking at the recruiting rankings the other day, and obviously like, we talked about a little bit earlier. The Big Ten kind of had a down year uh, for recruiting, but obviously Indiana landed the highest one in Jackson Davis. But DJ uh, Carton will be interesting to see if he can. Uh, oh yeah. Get some traction as the he could end up being the starting point guard for Ohio State by season end, and he's he was a top you know 50 player in the country that everybody wanted, Badgers included. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of get going as well. Yeah. Yep. Rocket Watts was the other guy that I talked about on the round table, just an all time name and, you know, coming off the bench for Michigan state will, will be someone to watch for too. I love that rocket rocket Watts for three. I can't wait to hear it uh, from, from those guys calling uh, Bill Raftery calling college basketball. I can already hear it in my head. Oh yeah. (laughs) But uh, let's jump to the national scale a little bit. Obviously there's, there's so many teams in college basketball you know, more so than college football. So you can't pay attention to everyone. You can't dive into all those teams. What teams are you most interested outside of the Big Ten? I'm, I'm interested to see um, specifically North Carolina, what they can do. You know, Greg Anthony's son went there, and he's he's going to be, I think, this year's uh, Zion, where everybody's kind of talking about him as a fabulous freshman. He's one of the top recruits in the nation, and he's going to be the, the starting point guard. He, also, he already went off in their secret scrimmage with Villanova, um, and, and he's just a guy who can just – he's a heady player, can make all the plays, super athletic, really quick. Um, and it's going to be a, a lottery pick for sure. So I, I'm interested to see them um, as well as what Kansas can do. You know, obviously the uh, NCAA investigation is going to just kind of loom over them all season long, kind of see what they can do given that. Um, and then Louisville as well, just because um, they've got some talent. Um, you know, Jordan Nuara is uber talented and a really good guy for them um, just to kind of see what they can do out for the teams that are outside of the Big Ten. Yeah, I like I like the Kansas mention. Obviously, they've got that you know looming over them, and they but they've also got talent on them with with Asabuke back and and healthy. He could be interesting, and then of course Devin Dotson, who who's projected to possibly be a first team first team All American guy nationwide. And then the team that I have written down, I mean, you got to talk about Memphis a little bit, just from. Obviously, he's he's kind of stolen the show. Penny Hardaway taking over uh, as head coach there and landing the number one class over, you know, Kentucky and Duke. Memphis is that team. And who knows if that'll really gel with obviously they got the number one overall player and James Wiseman and and Penny Hardaway kind of turned that recruiting on its head. But it's kind of cool to see someone else other than Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State lead that way. Uh, so I hope they do well. I, I think they could be uh, fun to watch if they can get it figured out. But it, it, it's it's different from seeing obviously those, those obvious blue blood names uh, at the conf- at the top of the recruiting rankings. So I'm interested to see uh, what uh, those what those teams could be. 
But obviously, like like going off of that with with the Blue Bloods, who's maybe a team that outside of the realm of the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansas, who's a team that's maybe a dark horse in college basketball that could maybe make a run in this tournament? I like Seton Hall. I think they have a lot returning. You know, they I think they only had one senior who left, um, but they have Miles Powell, who is one of the top scorers in the country. Um, you know, he 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 can do everything. Uh, he was you know, and they return pretty much their entire roster. It'll be good to see what their supporting cast can do. I know Miles Kale and Quincy McKnight are good, but then kind of seeing what some of their younger guys can do um, to help out because Miles Powell can just absolutely take over games, um, and we'll see if he can kind of really take them to where he wants. And then Utah State, there's they're a team who return just like uh, just like Seton Hall. Pretty much everybody on their team, um, you know, so it'll be uh, interesting to see Nimias Keita, I think his name is, you know, he, he's super good and he's, he's not hurt anymore. So, I mean, they're a team that could come out of the mountain West and make some, make some damage happen. Yeah. I saw them as a, you know, up and coming team. And obviously I haven't looked into the, the non-traditional conferences too much, but they, they were a team that kind of jumped out. Um, and then I had a surprise. I wanted to go with a surprise one that I've heard a little bit about is Colorado um, out of the Pac-12. They've got the projected player of the year uh, for them and McKinley Wright. And they've got a, a couple other guys back from last year's team that uh, could be interesting. Obviously, Pac-12 basketball doesn't get a lot of attention, similar to Pac-12 football. Um, but that's a conference. You know, them and you know, Washington could be a talented team. But I, I really like the. I liked your Seton Hall mention. I think they've got a lot of talent with Miles Powell. Uh, to be a really under-the-radar team that uh, could win a few games uh, in March that way. So, obviously, a lot of interesting teams, and I'm sure we'll dive more into the the full realm of college basketball as the season goes on because, like we said earlier, there's so many teams and so many new names that a lot of people probably don't know, so we don't want to go too deep into into, uh, that realm and, and getting into that. But let's let's do a final four pick. Obviously, we don't know how this is going to shake out and similar <laughs> to pick similar to picking the I think it's probably even harder to pick a final four than it is in basketball than football. Uh, but if you had to pick one, you know, who who are the four teams that you would uh, write down at this point? I think Michigan State is one. You know, I actually in our roundtable, I said that I didn't think they'd make make the final four. But that's just because of the utter chaos that is the 64 teams in the in the tournament. Um, and that's just numbers. But anyways, I'll pick Michigan State to be um, one of the favorites. And then I think Kentucky, they've got so much talent coming in as well as returning that they're going to be a team to watch. Um, I would have said Kansas, but because of I just don't know how they're going to react with that um, lawsuit happening or with the investigation happening. So instead I'll go with Louisville. And then the other team I'll go with is Duke. I actually, I mean, not Duke, uh, Florida. I really like Florida, what they have, you know, they got a big win when Kerry Brackshear was able to kind of join them. You know, he came over from Virginia tech. Um, you know, he's a guy that is an all American. He can be able to help them. Um, and in addition to what they already had. So I think Florida is another team that I like, you know, I know that's kind of chalky in terms of like, those are all teams in the top 10, but I think that's, if you're just going to go straight off paper, those are probably the guys that I'd look to. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I had Michigan state down there too. I had Kansas written down simply from the talent, but like you said, you don't know what that team really could be with, with all the issues that they're going to have. And obviously a huge distraction over the course of the season. I like the Florida pick. I think they could really, you know, give Kentucky a run uh, in the SEC. And I think the SEC is pretty deep and talented this season. 
Um, but I've got Kentucky down too. I think John Calipari can maybe gets over that hump this year again and, and gets his team back there. And then I've got, you know, my fourth team as Virginia. I think a lot of people have, have looked away from Virginia with what they lost, but given Tony Bennett's system, I think it'd be crazy to write them off. Um, I, I know they lost a lot of their scoring and a lot of their athleticism, but uh, just just given we've seen that now that Virginia can win with with not having you know a clear cut superstar. Obviously, they had a lot of tremendous players, but and that are gone. But I, I still think that uh, the Cavaliers can can make a run, and and with Tony Bennett at the helm, you're gonna you're gonna really be able to win some games and, and contend for that ACC conference. But that's all I've got written down for our college basketball preview. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on the college football season? Or I keep saying football because I'm so entrenched in it. <laughs> any final thoughts on the the college basketball season? It's just it's just really weird how the calendars kind of collide right now, simply because uh, the college basketball season is kind of pushed forward uh, in a way. And you know now with college football having the the 14 playoff it kind of is pushed back even farther too so it's got like the two just kind of merged and make it so that we're going to be uh talking a lot of football and basketball over these next uh, couple months yeah it, it is weird because i mean obviously everybody's full football mode and then we've got the the champions classic that'll tip off and then you're going to have the college football rankings sandwiched between those two games and so the ncaa is certainly playing uh, one off of each other but if you're a guy or you're a person who just loves sports and over consumed sports hey, this is obviously a, an exciting time of the year but it's hard to get invested into all of these sports at once because you know come next week you're really going to have obviously you know major league baseball will be wrapped up probably by then but come next week you're going to have pretty much every sport either finishing up or or taking off so it's a Certainly a tremendous time of year uh, for for sports fans, and you know maybe it's too much, but uh, if you're if you're at all interested in in all the sports, it, it's a great time for of year for uh, you know fans to be interested in. But like you said, it'll give us it'll give us plenty to talk about as uh, the season rolls on. So make sure to check out the Badgers next week, uh, or if you are you know around town and in Madison, check out their scrimmage on Friday against UW Lacrosse. Uh, but otherwise, the Badgers will be uh, tipping off against St. Mary's in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, which I, which I now learned at the they're playing at the <laughs> Pentagon. News to me, I had, I literally had no idea when you, when you said that. But uh, nothing like Wisconsin and St. Mary's squaring off uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm sure that'll be a be a huge game for them. But uh, that's all we've got for our our college basketball uh, preview. Of course, we'll dive more into that as the season goes on. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Of course, we'll be back next week with the uh, college football, you know, Iowa preview as we get into uh, obviously a huge game, the Big Ten West for the football team. And then, of course, we'll talk uh, some uh, college basketball stuff that that season get tips off. So make sure to rate, review, subscribe, guys, as always on Wisconsin.